Well, today's question for the pastor is one that many people are interested in and most of the time are looking for a brief answer to. But in this particular case, it's going to take several sessions to lay the proper foundation that eventually will get us to the biblical answer. Well, I look forward to beginning that journey with you today and also sharing some important announcements. It's your Midweek Connection, Wednesday, September the 13th, 2023. announcements to share today. The first is a reminder, the food drive for the Friendship Center. Now, this is an initiative sponsored by our Circles on Mission, and the collection boxes are now in place, located in each entryway, both on the west and east side, and they are ready for non-perishable food items. Now, the collection dates are this Sunday, September the 17th, and also next Sunday, uh, September the 24th. If you'd like more information on the Friendship Center, you can go to their website, www.friendshipcenter.org. I got a little caught up on that one. All right, well, number two, Men's Ministry Kickoff this Saturday, September the 16th at 8 a.m. A delicious, hearty breakfast will be served and we will be introduced to this year's series, study series, titled Priorities of a Godly Man. And that certainly is a relevant topic indeed. Now, men, you can bring your son or sons along with you and you're encouraged to do that as long as they're eight years old or older. And of course, you are also encouraged to invite a guest to come along with you as well. Now, following Saturday's meeting, everyone is invited to participate in a cornhole tournament. I think that would be pretty exciting. Now, you can register for the breakfast and for the cornhole tournament in Friday's email blast. Finally, number three, there's a men's Bible study, a weekly study, that is separate from the men's monthly breakfast uh, that will begin in the month of October. And it's going to lead those participating through the New Testament book of Philippians. Now, this is a 12-week study beginning, as I said, in October and concluding just right before Christmas. Now, if you choose to participate, you'll be assigned to a small group of three to four men and for $5, you can also receive a study guide book to help with the study. You can sign up and pay to get your book this Saturday at the men's breakfast or over the next two Sundays at the table that will be marked in the Mission Cafe. If you have questions, contact Pastor Brett. His contact information is there on the screen. Well, those are the announcements for this week. Now we transition to questions for the pastor. Well, today's question for the pastor comes from an attender who asks this, 
How do we use and apply tongues and interpretation of tongues in the church and also in our private prayer life? Also, do we need another baptism of the Holy Spirit like what we find happening in Acts chapter 2? Well, there are two questions here. The first, just to restate it, has to do with the issue of the gift of tongues, which I'm going to define in just a moment, and then also the gift of interpreting tongues uh, when they are spoken. Now, specifically, the individual wants to know about how, how uh, about this in relationship to the church when it's gathered together, and also does it have a place in one's personal prayer life? The second question is summed up this way, does a believer need a second baptism of the Holy Spirit that is in the nature of the one that we see taking place in Acts chapter 2? Well, these two questions are going to require more time to deal with uh, in a proper manner than a normal midweek connection affords. So I'm going to begin with question number one today, and it will likely take a week or two or maybe even three for me to provide a good answer for that. And then we'll turn our attention to question number two. Now, before I can address the use of tongues and the interpretation thereof uh, in the church and in one's private prayer life, I must address the issue of tongues itself. What is tongues or what are tongues in the biblical sense? Now, when we see the term tongues in the New Testament, it's referring to a supernatural ability to speak a language that one has not learned beforehand. The phenomenon had its beginning in Acts chapter 2 as 120 followers of Christ were waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit as Jesus commanded them before he ascended back to heaven, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, We find it recording the ascension of Jesus. And then verses 12 through 26 record the disciples returning to Jerusalem and records also some of the activities that ensued as they were waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit as Jesus instructed them. Now Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 record the happenings as the Holy Spirit finally came upon the disciples of Jesus. So let's read that together. Verse 1, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now here we find the beginning of the gift of the Spirit in the form of tongues coming upon the gathered disciples. Now one of the issues surrounding the gift of tongues is the type of language that it enabled the disciples to speak. Some today will talk about a heavenly language, uh, perhaps the language of the angels, and or they'll speak of a special prayer language. Well, what does Acts 2 actually 
show us. Verses 5 through 11. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? In other words, they're not of our type of people. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthenians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and all the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Now Luke, the author of Acts, clearly reports that these languages, that the languages that these spirit-filled disciples were speaking were known human languages. Languages of those who were from other lands, who were present when this phenomenon took place. And they were not just jabbering away, they were actually testifying to the mighty works of God in the languages of the people who had gathered around. So, this explains where it all began. But what was the purpose of it all? Well, the context of Acts chapters 1 and 2 give us the answer. The speaking in languages they had not learned, that was not the focus, nor was it even the point. Both the focus and the point of it all was this. It was a sign that the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit had been fulfilled. The sound of a, a rushing wind, the cloven tongues of fire resting above each believer, um, those believers suddenly speaking in languages they did not know, testifying of the mighty works of God, all of that was a sign that they had received the Holy Spirit and He was now indwelling them. Jesus told them to wait for the coming of the Spirit and the power that uh, the Spirit would give them. And this then was the physical, experiential experience. It was a tangible manifestation to both those who believed and those who had not yet believed that the Spirit of God had come. This then is the first of three occurrences of this manifestation found in the book of Acts. Now the second occurrence is found in Acts chapter 10, and it records the account of a Gentile centurion named Cornelius who feared God and was desiring to grow in his knowledge and practice of spiritual truth. Now I don't have time to read this whole account, so I encourage you to, to read it uh, for yourself, but for the sake of time, I'm going to summarize it for you. Cornelius was given a vision wherein an angel told him to send for Peter to come and speak to him. Now, the next day, Peter was about to enter into a time of prayer when a trance fell upon him and God gave him a vision of animals that were on the unclean list 
of the Jews, animals they were forbidden to eat. And Peter heard a voice telling him then to rise, kill, and eat. <laughs> of course, this would be shocking to Peter, and he responded that he could not do that because he had never eaten anything that the law counted as common or unclean. And then the voice spoke to him again, saying, What God has made clean, do not call common. Acts chapter 10, verse 15. Now, the context of the account makes it clear that the message to Peter was not so much about food, but about people. You see, to the Jews, Gentiles were unclean, and thus they were unacceptable to God, uh, just like the forbidden meats of the law were unacceptable. But what is going on here is God was preparing Peter to move away from that perspective because God was now going to use Peter to bring the gospel to Cornelius and others of his household and community who, by the way, were all Gentiles. So, God informed Peter that three men were on their way, they were looking for him, and when they arrived, that he was to go with them. And, of course, these men were men that Cornelius had sent to get Peter in obedience to the vision that he had received the day before. So they finally get together. And after greeting one another and sharing some of the details about their mutual experiences, Cornelius said this to Peter. He said, Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Acts chapter 10, verse 33b. In verse 34 and following, it tells us that Peter then began to share the gospel with them. And when we finally get down to verse 44, it says this. While Peter was still saying these things, while he was still sharing the gospel, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, meaning the believers uh, who were Jewish, who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. That was unthinkable to them. Now, uh, the question, how did they know that the Holy Spirit had, had filled those now Gentile believers? Well, verse 46 says they knew it because they were hearing them, the Gentile new converts, speaking in tongues and extolling God. So, the second time Acts records speaking in tongues, it was for the express purpose of giving an outward tangible sign that the Gentiles whom Peter preached to had come to faith in Christ and now were filled with the same Holy Spirit that the Jewish believers had been filled with. The bottom line here is this. Without this sign, there would have been no way for the believing Jews to have understood what had happened, and they would have in no way accepted these believing Gentiles as equals in the family of God. Because from their perspective, Gentiles were unclean. They were common. <laughs> but when the Holy Spirit fell on them, evidenced by their speaking in languages they did not learn or know, well, 
then no one could argue the fact that they also were now part of the family of God and should be identified as such through water baptism. So, those initial 120 believing Jews, they received the Holy Spirit evidenced by their speaking in tongues. And now, these believing Gentiles had received the Holy Spirit evidenced by their speaking in tongues. Don't miss this. In each case, the point of the tongues was to give evidence of conversion to Christ and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Well, like I told you, there are three recorded uh, accounts of this phenomenon. And the third record is found in Acts chapter 19. The Apostle Paul was on one of his missionary journeys and he came to the city of Ephesus. And while in Ephesus, he came across a group who identified themselves as disciples. So Paul asked them if they had received the Holy Spirit, to which they said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit, verse 2b. Paul then asked them, well, okay, uh, what were you baptized into? And they said, we were baptized into John's baptism. And they were referring to John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. If you remember his story, he was, uh, he was called John the Baptist because he would baptize people as a sign of their repentance. And also as a, um, a declaration to look forward to the one who would follow him, who would be the Messiah. Well, Paul then informed these disciples of John um, that John performed a baptism of repentance, telling them to believe in the one who would come after him. But now Paul tells them that that one who came after John was in fact Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. And so verse three, uh, verse five, I'm speaking in tongues today. <laughs> verse five, on hearing this, it says, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, notice the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Again, these disciples, these were disciples of John. However, once they believed in Jesus, they were then filled with the Holy Spirit and the evidence of that fact was borne out in their speaking in tongues, just like the original Jewish believers had done on the day of Pentecost, and as the subsequent Gentile believers had done there at Cornelius' home. So, what we find in the book of Acts, now this is really important, okay, is that every occurrence of believers speaking in tongues, defined as known languages that uh, they had not learned, the purpose of it was one thing, to demonstrate to other believers that they believed in Jesus, the Christ, and that they had received the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've come to kind of to the end of my time, and I will say that everything I've said thus far obviously does not an answer the question that was asked. But what I, 
I feel that it does do is that it provides a necessary foundation that will eventually get us to the answer, okay? So, today, I've taken you through the book of Acts to define what the gift of tongues is in that context. Also, to explain why it was given and who it was given to. Now, one observation that I make is this. Other than these believers that we see in these three occurrences speaking in tongues when they first received the Holy Spirit, other than that particular occasion, there is no record of them doing so at any other time. Why is that? And another thing that we need to consider was speaking in tongues meant to be the evidence of conversion and the receiving of the Holy Spirit for all believers throughout all the remainder of time? Or was it a sign gift for the purpose of demonstrating the initial coming of the Spirit upon those differing groups of believers? Well, that's where we'll pick up next week as I continue my journey toward answering the question about the relevance of tongues and interpretation of tongues in the church and in the believer's private prayer life. All right. Well, I look forward to next week. Why don't you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for how your word informs us about the things that that you do. Some of those things that you do, you do uh, in a moment of time for a specific reason, and those things maybe are not repeated again. And other times you do things that become the, the normative action of the Christian life. Uh, Lord, help us to be able, as we read the Scripture, to discern what is what and which is which, and then be able to, um, to trust you to move forward in those things that are supposed to be normative to us, and to also put in proper perspective perhaps those things that were never intended to be normative to us. So, Lord, we look to you, and we look to your word, and we look to your spirit to guide us in your word to find the answers to these questions and many more. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, Sunday brings us to Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. We're going to be looking at the Apostle John's initial greeting to the seven churches in Asia Minor. Now, you're not going to want to miss this because there's much more in this passage going on than a simple greeting. And I think that when you uh, encounter it, you will be encouraged by what is there. So I look forward to our time of worship and music, our time of worship in the Word, and our fellowship together. So God bless and have a great week. Hey!